Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 4 Everybody just calm down! Jason Johnson stared into four sets of panicked eyes. There is some crazy stuff happening, and you all want to go home to be with your families. I get it. But right now, the authorities are out there trying to get a handle on all of this, and that's going to be a lot harder if the lights go off. We're not your average business enterprise people. We're the electric company. And while I'm not asking you to put that before your loved ones, I am asking that you help me make sure that whatever happens out there doesn't affect what happens in here. Johnson took a breath. Okay. Now, we can't leave the station unattended, he said. He saw panic flare in the eyes of Mac and Reggie and forestalled their protests. I'll stay. All I ask is that you help me get this place turning and burning at full capacity. Mac and Reggie, number two generator needs to be back online. I know you guys like to work by the hour, but how long till you can get it up and running? No bullshit, Johnson said. Reggie and Mac shifted their feet and looked sheepishly at each other. Then Reggie looked at Johnson. I think we can get the new parts in and have it running in a couple hours, he said. Johnson nodded and looked to Gary and Beverly. Gary, I've got to do the nightly safety report, make sure there is nothing that could cause a power failure. But that means walking this whole facility. I need you to man your station until I get back, okay? Gary nodded. Johnson looked at Beverly. Beverly, honestly, I don't see much need for updating old files tonight, so you're free to go, he said. Beverly breathed a sigh of relief and started to gather up her things. Johnson picked up the phone and dialed the extension for the guard shack. Receiving no answer, he grabbed a walkie. Carl, you there? Pick up, Johnson said. He waited several seconds and then tried again. Carl, this is Johnson. I need you to pick up. I need you to do a security sweep of the facility. This place needs to be on lockdown. Carl! Johnson tossed the walkie onto his desk and muttered to himself, Old coot. He looked up as Beverly was headed for the door. Hold on a second, Bev. I may need you to stay, he said. Beverly was about to protest, but Johnson was already looking at Gary. Gary, I can't get Carl on the phone or radio. I need to find him and make sure he initiates lockdown procedures. Things would go a lot quicker if you could do the safety walk while I'm waking up Carl, Johnson said. Gary nodded. Beverly, I know you need to get out of here and your job is just to push papers, but while we're gone, it would be great if you stayed topside, kept an eye on the dials, and manned the phones in case we get a call from Homeland. It will only be while we get this place battened down, okay? He said. Beverly took another breath and then nodded. I could stay for a little while, she said. Good girl. 
Gary, just walk her through what she has to look for, okay? Johnson said. Gary nodded. Sure, yeah, I'll give her the basic course, Gary said. Okay, we do this right and fast. Make sure the dark is not one more thing folks have to be scared of tonight, and then y'all get to go home. Deal? Johnson asked. Four faces, no less panicked, but showing measured resolve, nodded. All right then, let's go, Johnson said. Everyone dispersed to their appointed tasks. Beverly's anxiety had grown by the minute. She finally had to turn off the television. She had tried to call, to let Mark know that she would be coming home just as soon as she could. But the phone lines were overloaded, and she couldn't get through. With the lines jammed, it meant Mark couldn't call her. It also meant that one of the reasons she was sitting here was gone. If she couldn't call out, and Mark couldn't call in, nobody else could. She sat in taut frustration, her patience stretching to hair thin. She kept looking at the clock on the wall. Fifteen minutes. Thirty minutes. Forty-five minutes. How much loyalty did she really owe to this place? She only took the job to help pay bills and take care of her family. And now something was happening that seemingly put her family in jeopardy, and she had to sit here in a chair staring at some dials? The thin strand that was left of her patience snapped, and she jumped out of her seat and grabbed her things. Screw this, she said, turning to leave. She came up short as standing in the doorway was Jason Johnson. Oh, thank goodness, Mr. Johnson, I'm glad you're back. I have to go, okay? The phones are all down. Beverly's words trailed off as she looked at Johnson. Mr. Johnson, are you okay? she asked. Jason Johnson glared at Beverly. He felt like his brain was being cooked. As the heat was turned up in his mind, he could sense himself fading from his own consciousness, like the theater lights going dark at the act break. As his own self faded, he could feel an intense longing take its place. He stared at Beverly. It was as if nothing else mattered. She was now the thing to be desired above all else, for which he would do anything to simply possess her, to be one with her. As the feeling consumed him and his brain cooked, his own self uttered its last gasping breath in his mind. I'm so hot. Jason Johnson took a step towards Beverly. Beverly clutched her coat to her chest as if trying to build a lair between her and the man that stood before her. When he took a step towards her, she instinctively stepped back. Like I said, Mr. Johnson, the phones are all down, and the gauges all seem to be normal. Jason Johnson continued to glare at her. Beverly's eyes flitted past him to the door and her escape. She took another step back, and Johnson's eyes flared at her movement. I, uh, turned off the television. I just couldn't sit here and listen to all of that, you know, Beverly said. She took a step to the side, and her breath caught as she saw Johnson's head turn to keep his eyes on her. She started towards the door, trying to flank him, but he moved quickly again, blocking her access. Beverly stared into Johnson's eyes, 
and she knew in that instant he was not there. She threw her coat at him as he charged her. Beverly turned and ran across the room. She hurtled over the couch in the lounge area, trying to get space and things between them. Johnson's eyes focused like a laser beam as he came at her. He stumbled over the couch and fell, but quickly rose. As his hands thrust out for her, he pawed at the television, sending it crashing to the floor. Beverly screamed and raced towards the door. She almost made it, but Johnson cut her off. She screamed again as she was forced to retreat back across the room. Chapter 5 Down in the pits, Reggie and Mac were replacing the access cover on the number 2 generator when they heard what sounded like a distant crash emanating down the gangway from above. The two men looked at each other. Hey, did that sound like... Mac said, Reggie cutting him off. A scream? Yeah! The two men finished replacing the access panel, then made their way towards the gangway leading up to the control room. Halfway there they quickened their pace as a second more pronounced and desperate cry met their ears. Reggie and Mac rushed into the control room, staring at the scene before them. On the floor was Beverly. Her face was contorted and red. Her hands were around Johnson's neck, and she was trying to push him off her. Johnson's eyes were bloodshot, and sweat poured off him as he worked his jaw, seemingly trying to bite her. Beverly was so focused on keeping Johnson off of her that she did not notice Reggie and Max standing there. The two meatheads recovered and rushed over to Johnson, hauling him off of Beverly and throwing him back in the process. Seeing Mac and Reggie, Beverly gasped in a breath and shouted at the two men. He tried to bite me! Both men turned to look at their boss as he rebounded off the wall and charged them. Without thinking, Reggie and Mac both threw a punch at Johnson's head. There was a soft thwacking sound, like a ball bat hitting a side of beef, and Johnson fell unconscious. Mac and Reggie turned to Beverly. Reggie ran his hands through his dark hair as Mac swallowed hard. What the hell happened up here? Reggie said. Beverly, her hands flat on the lunch table, leaned over and struggled to catch her breath. I don't know. The phones were down, and I was about to leave when he was just standing there. He chased me around the room and tried to... Reggie and Mac looked down at their fallen boss. His shirt was soaked in sweat. But other than that, he looked like he always did. Oh, man, we clocked the boss, Reggie said. Mac and Reggie stared at each other. Beverly stood and glared at them. We've got bigger problems than that, you assholes. He tried to bite me. Bite me, she said, emphasizing her words. Both Reggie and Mac stared down at Johnson. What should we do now, Reg? Mac said. Reggie did not reply, only kept staring at Johnson. Beverly gathered up her things that had been scattered around the room in her effort to get away from Johnson. I don't know what you two are going to do, but I'm getting the hell out of here, Beverly said as she rushed towards the door. Thinking that was the best idea they had heard in a long time, Mac and Reggie turned to follow Beverly out. Mac stopped and grabbed Reggie's arms. What about him, man? He said. Reggie took a final look at Johnson, 
Screw him, he said. Both men turned to catch up with Beverly, who careened into Gary as he came plowing through the door into the control room. Damn it, Gary, get the hell out of the way, Max said. Beverly backed up and sighed, looking at Gary. It's all right, Gary, I just have to get out of here. I suggest you do the same, she said, as she tried to maneuver around him. Gary put out his arm, stopping her, and she gave him a hard look. Gary, I've got to go, she said. Before Gary could open his mouth to explain himself, Reggie yelled at him. The boss is down. Looks like he tried to attack Bev, Gary. You need to move your skinny ass. Wait, you said Mr. Johnson is down? Gary said, cutting Reggie off. Gary rushed forward and looked down at the fallen Jason Johnson. He came in here and, I don't know, he tried to attack me, like those people on the news, Beverly said. Which is why we have to get the hell out of here, man, Reggie said. Gary sighed and looked at all three of them. This is bad, y'all, he said. No shit, Sherlock, Max said. Haven't you heard what we've been saying? We got to go. Beverly turned back towards the door. Look, you guys work it out. I've got to get home to my family, she said and made a beeline for the exit. Wait a minute, Gary said. You might want to hear this. Beverly got to the door and was about to leave when she turned back around and looked at Gary, exasperated. Reggie and Max stared at him. I got about halfway through doing the safety walk. I was out by the north end when... I saw them. Gary's words trailed off. Three sets of eyes stared at Gary who turned and looked down at their boss. "'You saw who, Gary?' Reggie said, his voice slathered in anger and determination. Gary looked up at Reggie, then glanced around at the others. "'You know, zombies. The ones I saw were outside the north fence. There couldn't have been more than three or four. There's no access point there, but if Johnson tried to bite you—' Beverly took a step away from the door towards Gary. What are you saying, Gary? She said. Gary looked back at Johnson, and his words came soft and low. If Mr. Johnson tried to bite you, then something must have bitten him, Gary said as he looked into the sinking face of Beverly. It means Mr. Johnson went outside the gate, or some of those things got inside the gate. It means, a panicked Reggie finished the thought for him, it means those things are out there, ready to eat us, man!